What do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams? Keep it to yourself. Hey, baby brother, how are you? Happy Good. Sunday. Happy Sunday. Nice to see you, um, finally. Yes, finally. Um, we, uh... Struggle. Yeah, we... Struggle was real. We did not record... Li- well, let's let's put that in the proper... We started recording last week, and then we stopped recording, and then did not return to recording. Um, ARP found out... Uh, 15 minutes in or so that he had not been recording for some seconds um, and had some kind of error message so we just decided instead of getting started again to just hold off for a week so here we are Uh, all my fault Uh, well not my fault some you know I've got a 9 year old laptop yeah so the fact that it even works uh, is a macbook yeah. Pro for those that are wanting to know. I, you know, for something tells me that a, a Windows machine probably would not have lasted this long. Um, maybe. I I had a Windows machine that I bought before I went to college that I only got rid of because I was I didn't want to move it in two thousand nine. So Yeah. You know, um none of the laptops I've had have lasted though. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, and without, uh, you know, the the broadcast was delayed. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't feel obligated to go back and start over right away. Right. And we had no hate mail at all. We would have appreciated a little bit of hate mail, actually. Actually, I think, I think a would've... little bit of, like, where yeah. was the show this like, week? You, Is everyone okay? You bastards. You didn't mm. do your show. You couldn't work around some glitch. Yeah. Nothing. Crickets. Yeah. Oh, well. But that's all right. That's all right. So, uh, speaking of broadcast, this week's movie is Broadcast News. Yeah. Um, a real gem of an 80s movie in some ways. Gem. 1987. Uh, produced and directed by James L. Brooks. Written, produced, and directed. Uh, says here, a romantic comedy drama. So, we've covered like three areas of movie genres the romance film <laughs> comedy film and the drama film you know it's all inter- in one it's interesting um a lot of times i hate romance plots that feel like they're shoehorned in that are there yeah. for no reason in this case it doesn't feel that way at all like to mm. see to hear that it even has any kind of elements on that front is i mean i i know that they're there but I don't feel it. Like, I don't, um, like, the whole Holly Hunter, William Hurt, Albert Brooks triangle thing that's not really yeah. a triangle is pretty engaging, actually. Um, Very engaging. Very engaging. You went through, obviously, the headliners for the movie. Yes. Hurt, Brooks, and Hunter. And then just a really great cast here. Uh, Robert Prosky. Lois Childs, who's a Bond girl. Uh, Joan Cusack. Jack Nicholson makes a little bit of a uh, Uncredited. Appearance. Yeah, un- uh, not credited until the end is what it says here oh, on okay. our source he's not, document. He's not at the top of the poster kind That's of credit. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But he has, a, he has a great little, and he does this every now and again, this little bit part where he comes in and he doesn't steal it, but he's he's... He's he does good work, uh, 
And, um, you know, again, 1987, so going back to the 80s, journalistic integrity. Well, which is what? Is that a thing? Kind of at the foundation of this of this movie, I think. Jur- journalistic integrity. Now, that's two words, <laughs> and I know both words. <laughs> um, a classic new oxymoron? Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's a great joke in America, the book, um, about, uh, which is like the John Stewart, the Daily Show thing from the mid-2000s. There's a great line in there that was like, you know, they, they called this new style of journalism at the turn of the 19th, 20th century yellow journalism, which was later shortened to just journalism, um, which was, you know, the sensationalist. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's just all, yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing to, to do with facts or... No, it's about selling newspapers and very much the story of broadcast news is are we going to be journalists and tell a story or are we going to sensationalize the news and make money? Yeah. And and uh, the answer here in 2020 is we're going to make money. Uh, we really yeah. don't give a damn. Um, we're, we're going to make money. You know, and, and it's not even. I wouldn't even say that it's the fault of journalists. It's the fault of their corporate parenting that is like, that's great. You guys can do whatever you want as long as you keep, you know, the lights on. Yeah, uh, and anybody, you know, when you think about, you know, so they, today's August nine. I think on Friday or maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. There was that exchange between a reporter and the president, and you know, someone call it hard news, right? You know where I, I forget who the reporter was. Are you talking about the Axios thing from last week? No, 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 no. This was this was uh, at a press conference. Oh, okay. And you know, she was the the vet choice thing. She was kind of pressing him on that. And oh god. And so you know it was hard news. And but one can't think in the back of your mind can't help but think that the push was. Because it was going to be this exchange and fiery, you know, he ended up walking off and she ended up, I don't know what she ended up doing, but, you know, there was, somebody was clapping at the back of the, wherever they were, the room they were in and this, that and the other. And so you just can't help but wonder if it was done for theatrics and for, you know, the, the ability then, you know, put it out on the web and then evening news and so forth and so on to keep the cycle going and keep whatever that real-time ad sell by process is yeah going yeah right and the legitimacy of it all kind of falters yeah breaks down yeah you know in my opinion and yeah i mean was it was it an interesting exchange yes was it anything new no yeah and and so you know, if you're trying to prove a point, I don't know if you did it or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, the, the quote there at the beginning, I think, is an interesting one. And your quote this week. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Um, so, uh, to set up the scene a little. Um, well, I guess we should set up the movie, which is we have this character of Tom Grunick, yeah. played by William Hurt, who I guess is supposed to be this, like attractive but not very bright um but hardworking. i think we can say um anchor who's kind of moved up very quickly because of his 
good looks and good voice. Uh, you know, he's got that nice TV voice. Um, and he comes to this national network, which is, um, you know, never named, interestingly enough. Um, or maybe it is once at some point. But I uh, think there's a logo or something. <laughs> um, perhaps when Aaron's maybe having a heart attack. <laughs> nice calls. Yeah. Um, and then there's Albert Brooks's character, who is, of course, the Albert Brooks character in everything, which is the not very good looking, but incredibly brilliant, uh, graduated from high school early, went to Harvard, um, you know, in his early again, um, and he can't get ahead because he, you know, isn't very good looking and he doesn't sound good and he doesn't, you know, play on TV across the country. So, right. Uh, but as a journalist, he's top notch. Yeah. He has stuff and yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly the more talented of the two, um, by far, by far. Um, and they're at a, um, at an embassy party, and um, William Hurt's character says, "You know, this line is like, you know, what do you do when your when your dreams exceed your reality?" And and Brooks sort of cynically says, "You keep it to yourself," you know, which I think is just this wonderful note on ambition. Um, I think it's in in Aaron Altman's case, which is Albert Brooks's character, all he can think about is having the kind of success mm-hmm. that Tom is getting thrown at him and he doesn't even realize it. Um, and Tom is just sort of blindly, asterisk, blindly walking through um, his life and just getting things handed to him. Um, and I say the asterisk because we get a great scene where Aaron is scheduled to host the news on a Saturday night because everyone else wants off for the correspondence dinner, uh, which used to be a thing that we used to do in this country was a correspondence dinner and the president would go um, and make jokes. Um, that those, those were the before times. Um, and, um, you know, everyone else wants off, so Aaron gets the opportunity to host the news and he goes to Tom to get help. For how to look good on camera, and right. suddenly Tom is, you know, um, uh, oh God, what's the care? What's uh, hey, you know, he's Professor Higgins, and and Aaron is, you know, Eliza Doolittle. Suddenly. Oh, Eliza Doolittle, yeah, yeah, Pygmalion you know, or yeah. My Fair Lady or yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah. You know, suddenly we get this role reversal between the two. Yeah, and he's in his out. element, and you know, my my favorite part of that scene is where he makes him sit on his jacket. Yeah, do you, do you sit on your jacket now? Like I always, I, I learned that from that movie. Same here. When I got to my dissertation defense, the first thing I did was I, you know, stood up halfway and pulled my jacket down and sat on it. Like yeah, no one was you don't recording. Want that neck roll. You don't want that exactly. roll in the back. Yeah. Exactly. No one was recording it. You know, it was nothing like that. But it right. was like. But it's it's about leaving a legacy for exactly. that exactly exactly <laughs> to to look good for you know an hour. Um, or as good as one can look. Um, and I, I think there's, uh, the, the discussion there is this, you know, um, you know, Tom doesn't expect these things and he keeps getting handed them, um, because of the increasing changeover 
in journalism and uh, broader society, right? That we're not interested in anyone that can really do good work. We just want them to look like they're doing good work. Right. Um, you know, he's he's got to be, you know, flashy, and he's got to have uh, no substance, but he's got to look good. And this is where the movie ends up in a lot of ways, um, with the great scene um, after Aaron has a horrible night doing the news, and Jane, played by the wonderful Holly Hunter, who we should absolutely discuss in this context, because... This actually all starts with her at the beginning of the movie. Um, you know, he he suge- uh, Aaron suggests that Tom might be the devil, which is hilarious because you can kind of tell that he's going, you know, he's a little drunk, he's upset, and he's like, I think he might be the devil because he lowers our standards just a little bit. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I think a, a great theme of this podcast has been just how much we've lowered our standards uh, not you and I, uh, or, or <laughs> right. obviously well, you. Some might say because of the podcast, we've lowered our that's standards. That's fair. Right? Um, but in, in the sense fine. that we entitled to your your freaking opinion. But, uh... <laughs> well, there's a, there's a great um, a line that we've uh, we've talked about Aaron Sorkin before. We did um, American President, and uh, yeah. a line that he repeats throughout various projects of his which is we've come to more and more we've come to expect less and less of each other and um i think this movie is a really great example of that in some ways that there is we we don't expect um good journalism we expect people to reinforce our beliefs we expect people to look good while doing it uh we expect them to sound good um but the Aaron Altmans of the world get pushed out um, because they don't fit the the kind of corporate model of of journalism and of wider society at this point. I think so. Yeah, you know, I think that it's interesting if you take this and superimpose it upon culture in sort of very broad terms. You know, we 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 tend to negate anything that we see as an anachronism, right? That we see as old fashioned or stodgy or, you know, and, and you and I have had these conversations and, you know, I go back to my writing that my writing feels really stiff and old and this, that, and the other. I think that, you know, that, I think for those of us that want to hang on to that, right? We have to realize the world has changed. And so, but, I don't know if that means you you let your your guard down and and turn off the the ethics and the morals around things, right? So it's not like you know you you say, well, I'm not going to write that way, but you you don't just absolutely shun grammar and structure and 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 the way things are said and elocution and and all these other things. I don't think, right? But I think the majority of folks are like, you know, it's a casual time and, and it's, it's all really just become about, as Charles Grodin wonderfully says in another movie I'm sure we'll do at some point, Midnight Run, it's all about the effing money. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it really has become that. And so a tragedy of that whole process has become journalism. 
and the reporting of facts and you know I, I know I don't think you're a big fan of George F. Will but he wrote a great book back I think in the 80s maybe early 90s called Restoration I may have it a little off the, the return to deliberative democracy hmm. and I think it was deliberative democracy in the way he wanted to write it right what he thought was democracy yeah but that whole that whole subplot of you know we we don't know how to deliberate yeah right and so there's an art and and science to it to some degree and then we don't have general knowledge to deliberate yeah and so that to me, that's kind of the that epitomizes Tom Grunick, right? Just he's just up there to paint a picture, look good, and frankly, I I, I don't know if I'd have chosen William Hurt, but that's me. Nothing against you, Bill, um, <laughs> but the 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 real flavor is to to journalism is given by Jane and Aaron. Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks, that these guys are real dyed-in-the-wool journalists, right? They they take it very seriously, and now nobody wants to take anything seriously. Yeah. I mean, hell, if I go out and, and I try to push a particular way to do work, right, whether it's project work or strategy work or whatever it might be, that's considered bureaucratic or overly invasive and and things like that and and folks don't want to do it and and perhaps at our level it doesn't matter Mm. but at some level it becomes a risk right yeah and and that's what we've done we put our entire intellectual the, the intellectual part of our culture at risk and to think that we could ever get it back and you know i've talked about this i don't think that opportunity exists I think we have that 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 ship has sailed, mm. uh, and way out in the middle, and it's sinking. <laughs> it's sinking. Yeah, I mean, I think it's impossible. I feel like to have this discussion without getting a bit political, um, in the sense that I well, tis the season, so it is. It is, and um, I, you know, I, I don't think. Um, I'll say it this way. I don't think anyone took the current president as a serious human being until sometime during, until he got basically in with the birther movement, right? I mean, most of my life, he had been a joke. Uh, he's a, you know, they make a punchline out of him in Other People's Money, which is 1991. You know, he's in another, he's in one of the Home Alone movies. I mean, it's a joke. He was a joke. And he was legitimized because, A, people who, you know, liked his sort of r- racist rhetoric. Sorry. Um, well, really I don't know if we're him. into politics here. As a, I know what you're saying. The, what, but what, I, think what you're, I think what you're getting at or what I'm hearing is that he is just a byproduct of the, the same kind of reporting and journalistic absolutely uh, you know yep. uh, failings that we find in broadcast news which is 
let's just get somebody on camera. Let's get somebody out there that's going to help sell ads, right? And let's make it as sensational as possible. And so, you know, you can get into the psychotherapy of it all. He has the type of personality that lends itself to that sort of absolutely, yeah. I know, mean, you, narcissism and whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, then then we it was like, oh wow, we don't even have to like write a script here. We, you know, just turn on the cameras and yeah, start the tape recorders and just go yeah. right. And the rest is you know whatever we're selling ad time for per minute or per. 10 minutes or you, whatever it is. Often to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that I think that that uh, will continue to flourish. That's why I said the, the, the ship has sailed. It's way out in the middle of the harbor yeah. beyond. And and it's it, there's there's no getting it back and pulling it back and saying, you know what? Let's build a new ship. Yeah. Nobody wants that. You know, people are satisfied with this level of you know uh, mediocrity uh that we 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 face every day yeah and and even to the extent that people don't even know it's mediocre yeah right people don't even they don't even care no i mean they're like oh you know there's whatever you know you can run the gamut of quote news whether it's entertainment news sports news hard news politics obituaries you know whatever entertainment yeah. i think i said that people people don't care they just you know they they want that they just want that cycle of news and i'm going to get this so i can have a conversation or a flashpoint or a social media post or whatever it might be so that i can then provide my opinion about it yeah and get feedback and engage on this temporary basis and somehow we've carved that up as being what humanity is. Again, I'm probably one that would rather hold on to some of the things from our past. And, you know, I've often thought, it's funny, I was like, I want to get a newspaper delivered at home. Mm -hmm. And... The reason I don't is not because it doesn't exist, but because the quality isn't there. Yeah. Right? Now, no, nothing against my smaller town market here, uh, you know, but I think even if you looked at the, you know, where we grew up in Atlanta, if you look at that paper and, and where is the quality, where is the integrity, where is the that just sublime writing and reporting and yeah. I, I don't know i've read the atlanta journal and constitution in years yeah it, it and and far be it for me to say it's this or that but you know probably the only newspaper that i would order at home and the only reason i don't is because again there's a there's a environmental impact to doing that would be like the Wall Street Journal, right? Just because the yeah. writing is superlative. Yeah. Anyway, sort of waxed on there. No, for no. So long. I, I mean, I think that's true. And and the you know again, it gets back to the same root issue in that, who is the Knoxville, Tennessee, whatever Courier, or 
intelligence or whatever the name Sentinel. is. Sentinel. Sentinel News, yeah. Sentinel. Uh, who was it owned by? Like, like it's not it's not like it's owned by some it's not owned by somebody in Knoxville, Tennessee. Let me tell you that. It's owned by Sinclair or News Corp or one of a, it's it's owned by like a media conglomerate and there's, you know, a handful of people that work there. Um, and they produce 5% of the content and, you know, 85% of the content is just articles from, you know, one source that ran in like 30 different, or, you know, 180 different papers, you know, so it's not like you're getting local journalism, even when you're paying for local. Um, that said, I do want to plug, uh, very quickly, Greg Bluestein at the Atlanta Journal of Constitution, who's their political writer. Uh, former classmate of mine at Georgia, um, and and doing great work. Um, often, hilariously, gets in trouble with both sides because he doesn't. Because it's you know, if you're upset at him, you're he's automatically from the other side. When he's really doing a great job of being impartial. Um, so he's he's a really fascinating writer, and I, I think you know the the worst thing that'll happen is he'll stop being in Atlanta and he'll get moved up somewhere else, right? He'll get moved to a bigger market. Um, yeah. Owned by Gannett, by the way. Yeah, you know, I mean, Gannett owns how many papers and shows, TV channels across the country? I mean, a lot. Um, so you're not really even getting local news. Your money's not going to local news. Um, but, uh, you know, and I think that this is, again, another thing that... Uh, I wanted to mention that, um, you know, Holly Hunter's character Jane begins the movie by lecturing on this very issue that, you know, instead of covering, like, important, hard-hitting news, um, you know, all the news networks ran the same, like, mouse race or whatever at the end, and people applaud it in the room while she's trying to lecture against it. Uh, what are you laughing at over there? No, no, go ahead. I'm laughing at, I'm laughing at the scene you're talking about. Oh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. she's she's there saying... We're falling into this pit, and spoiler alert, in 2020, like, we fell into the pit, like, a long time ago. Um, and, and she, I think, I think in some ways what's so fascinating about her is that she uh, is torn not between the types of journalism that Aaron and Tom represent, because she's firmly on the Aaron side of it. But she's actually torn between she's she's really into Tom in a way that she'll never be in love with Aaron. Um, so she is represented as sort of being split apart by this kind of situation. But we know in terms of her journalistic integrity, we know which side she's on. Um, and ultimately, that's the line that she decides for herself, right? That she... Um, decides that like no matter what kind of happiness that Tom represents for her uh it's not worth it like that he's there as like flash over substance I I used to think that the ending of the movie was actually pretty terrible um you know in the sense that uh, hilariously um you know neither uh guy gets the girl um you know and also everyone moves on career-wise. Like, Aaron's at some small newspaper or small network or something doing really good journalism. And Tom, of course, ends up in 
New York at it, you know the head anchor taking over yeah. Nicholson's spot. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he, but he's not editor. Yeah, he. It's the the only sort of win at the end there is that he realizes he's not bright enough to do the job. Right. Is like he'll take the job and he'll take the money of being anchor, but he's not gonna be able to be in charge of the content of the show. Um, for which he he asks uh, Jane to, to come and do that, and she doesn't give an answer. She doesn't decide whether she's really going to do it. Uh, I think she kind of does. But, um, you know, there's there's that struggle in the movie represented, I think, representative of the struggle that, that journalism itself has faced, is whether or not it's going to do real important you know stories or it's going to be sensationalist and i think at this point we can see that obviously the the war has been lost i mean there are pockets and i think to an extent you have to look outside of the u.s um for journalism that is doing that on an international level but in terms of our own local journalism i mean it's it's hard to find um you know and and again it's it's about the money uh, I think in our false start last time, I mentioned another Aaron Sorkin thing, which was Newsroom, mm-hmm. um, in which um, Jeff Daniels' character uh, gives this great point, which is, you know, in the 50s when they gave away, when the federal government gave the airwaves to the networks, they made a rule that one hour per day had to be news, informational broadcasting. And he said that the one place where they didn't think about they couldn't have known in the 50s, uh, which would have been a great rule, is that, and you can make money 23 hours a day, but for the one hour that you're doing informational work, no you know, no advertising, make your money the rest of the day. And, and that, of course, is where the battle was lost, right? That it suddenly became about who was going to, you know, put on the more interesting story or... or uh, you know who is the more interesting anchor to put on? You know on the news, um, and you know you automatically lose the. I mean they they kind of lost it at that point already, and it just exploded from there. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's and, uh, a, you know yeah, and advertisers ended up co-opting that right indirectly, if you will, because they were able to influence. Who would be on the show? Who would yep. be the anchor? Yep. And or, or at least what style of anchor, right? And so you know, again, we we continue to lose that battle, and I think it's lost, right? You know, we yeah, we can. Oh, yeah. I don't even because I don't have TV. Uh, I don't even watch the nightly news. So I have no idea what it's like. I don't. Do they even have the nightly news? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess they do because of this rule, right? This one hour uh, kind of thing. Um, yeah, um, but then well, you know, so, all the ratings actually happen, at least for some networks, after that, right? <laughs> it's not during the news hour; it's after that when all the sensationalism comes on and the, you know, talking heads and the quote pundits and and that sort of thing. Well, you're talking they about hold on, their, sec, hold on, you're talking about two separate things now. Uh, you're talking about uh, like nightly news on NBC with Lester Holtz 
is one thing, and then after that is you know Jeopardy and and you know Law and Order or whatever. Well, on that particular network. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, then, but network. then when you get to cable, there's no obligation to do anything. Yeah, there's no. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that that that, yeah. that makes sense. So, I, I think the bottom line here is is that, you know the. The, the way the movie was presented back in 1987, you know, the, the, the reality is, is we're there, right? Yeah. And it, for those of us who write and who enjoy this sort of thing and used to read the newspaper, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's heart-wrenching if not heartbreaking to see that and I don't know if we'll ever bring it back one because you know digital is everywhere and so why would you have a newspaper I tried the New York Times on my iPad it's not the same yeah it's just not the same uh, that's, and, yeah. and, and, and you know it's almost like it's it's as if now they can structure the feed in such a way based on what you've clicked on before and where your eyeball is yeah. and yeah. all this other stuff as opposed to, you know what, here's our best shot at today's news and any long-term or serial stories we've put together, you do with it what you will. We're not going to try to influence it beyond what's in the written word. Yeah. And there's something genuine about that. Yeah. That that keeps one coming back for more, you know. Yeah, I I think um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's accurate. Uh, I I the technology part of it doesn't bother me, um, and I'll say why, and you'll appreciate this. I think immediately, because at one time there must have been dozens of companies making buggy whips. And I'm sure the last company making buggy whips made the best goddamn buggy whip you ever saw. We yeah. move on. I mean, technology yeah. moves on. There's nothing to do about that. But but the very heart of it is the writing and the work and the research that goes into it. Yeah. That doesn't change. That yeah. that will be you know yeah. part of the human condition until we uh, you know literally stop reading. Or watching things, which at this moment doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It may, um, you know, and uh, I, I think that to some extent that like newspapers just had to find a way around that. I think they're getting there to an extent. Um, you know, I, I I have a digital subscription to the Times um, and the the Washington Post, um, both. Uh, I feel like sometimes uh, that I should do AJC because I do still keep in touch with our hometown news yeah. a little. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't know what the answer on that front is. And I I like to think that we just sort of, you know, time is just a series of hurdles and we have to get over one and and maybe there's some solution. But um, there's no going back to the original way of doing things and. Yeah, again, another great line from uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah. There'll be no going back. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. I would, I would love to actually hear, um, oddly enough, James L. Brooks's take now. Like, where, yeah. you know, the research and writing he did on that movie. Where does he feel it? You know, 
has led, and I've actually heard a lot of journalists say Broadcast News is one of their favorite movies. Um, I know oh, Anderson yeah. Cooper, um, and it's one of mine too. I really, I, I love the the struggle. I think it's really funny. There's a lot of great Aaron Alden <laughs> lines. A lot of great lines. Um, yeah. But anyway. And, and it was, uh, you know, and again, it's one of those films that uh, was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, end quote. So it's obviously had an impact uh, on, the, on the film industry, and, you know, it, it's obviously rolled over into the professionals that, that make up our, our press. So, this week question. This week's question, I think, is mine to ask. It is uh, you uh, because we had that little weird thing last week, and so you know we've been talking about the movies, and you know somewhere along the way you said something, and it was just for a minute about the movies that you tend to watch. Uh, um, I, I don't remember how you phrased it exactly. Mm-hmm. Like eccentric or weird or off the beaten path or, or, or whatever some 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 kind of uh, and so the question here is kind of a not a two-parter but maybe it, it, it's a, a building a crescendo kind of question so if I were to write a movie mm-hmm. for you to produce <laughs> uh, why, what kind of movie would you want me to write and how would you then make it Oh wow, that's uh, a strange question. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it's um, wow. That's wow. That is quite the question. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's a genre question that can be easily answered. I think um, I do tend towards a sort of. Um, you know, obviously we'll have to sort of couch it in a kind of realism. Uh, I do appreciate that in most movies. I mean, I do, and it's not like I don't like Star Wars. Um, but then they changed what Star Wars was. Um, you know, it's not like I don't like that fun thing, but, um, you know, a movie, I, I, a, a really weird example of a movie that I really like that everyone I've recommended it to, I think, either has disliked it or has started to dislike me based on watching it. That's how badly it went. Um, one of my friends says, I'm never listening to any one of your recommendations ever. Um, and this is not a recommendation for anyone listening to the podcast because I love it. Doesn't mean you will, but it's a great movie. It's called Frank. You've probably never heard of it. Um, it's about a band. And um, the band is led by... Uh, I don't know if I, this ruins it. I guess it kind of ruins it. Um, the lead singer is Michael Fassbender, the, the German-Irish actor uh, from Inglorious Bastards, and he's wearing a mask the entire time. He uh, has kind of a debilitating mental health condition, um, and he wears a gigantic head the entire time. The songs are very weird. Um... You know, the lyrics are insane. 
The music is really good. The stro- Arp's clearly looking at the cover for it now because he's got this weird, creepy smile. Um, <laughs> but the struggle, the struggle in it is so. There's Domino Gleason's character, Domino Gleason, who was in one of the new Star Wars movies, or I think in a couple of the new Star Wars. He is. I want to write songs and become famous. And then you have he joins this band of you know Fassbender, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, a couple of other actors, and uh, Carla Azar, who's actually the drummer for um, a, a band out in California, uh, the only actual professional musician in the group. Um, she, they, they just want to make music. Like, they don't care if they're famous. They don't care if no one listens to them. They do gigs to, you know, ten people. Um, it's, it's, you know, very small. And Don Gleason comes in with this, like, let's be famous, you're great, you're brilliant, let's let's become a thing. And there's this great struggle between those two things. Are you going to produce art that you believe in, or are you going to produce art for the masses? And, and that's the kind of tension I really want to explore. And this movie does it in a way that's like... Uh, ridiculous a little bit right like the idea of having a lead singer who, who you know never shows his face uh, acts very strangely um, you know it's it's a it's a dramatic movie in some ways there's there's you know uh, you know there's some sad parts to it um, but I love the struggle I love I, I it's one of those movies I watched it um, because um, they performed like one of the main songs on Colbert back on the old Colbert show. And then they, um, you know, the song was like, this is really weird, but, uh, okay, I'll check out the movie. And I watched it once and I was like, that's not very good. I didn't think much of it. And then like two weeks later, I was like, man, I could really go for watching that again. And then I think probably for like a year and a half, I watched it at least once a month. I was like, oh, let's throw on Frank. Um... So what my answer is to your question in sort of a roundabout way is, like, there has to be, like, a really good bit of tension in there. And I, I you know, romantic tension is interesting, but it's kind of been done. Um, I think in the case of, like, Frank, for example, is that, like, the tension is over art. You know, what kind of people do we want to be? Um you know, is this about being famous and making money, or is it about being true to ourselves? That's a good struggle for me. I really like that. Um, you know, I, I, I like things where people have to work together, right? That they don't have an inherent relationship, but that they create one. Um, in, in the case of that movie, through music, in the case of broadcast news, those relationships are forged by their, by the, their interest in journalism, right? By their careers. Um, you know, I, I really like workplace things in general, um, but again, they've been done a lot. So it's, yeah. uh, if I were going to make it, I, yeah, that would be something that would be like a start. Like it would have to be that kind of, um, you know, what's that central tension going to be? Um, and it, it, it the thing I like is when it asks you to, consider a broader question right like there's the tension within the movie between uh in broadcast news between what kind of journalists we're going to be um and and now we can see that we can keep having that conversation that's what's great about broadcast news and again that's because broadcast news is great and not every movie james l brooks ever made has that lasting 
characteristic and not every story or poem or whatever we're going to write has that lasting impact. Maybe you hit that once in a while. Um, but I, I tried to, you know, whenever I did these, you know, plays at Georgia or whatever, or short films that I made, I tried to find some kind of struggle I wanted to get to. And I feel like I'd be better at it now, but I don't know. Uh, the prospect of working with other people is pretty terrible. Well, no I think we collaborate to your, No, no chance of that keeping it to keeping it to yourself. So, <laughs> what do you what do you mean? Well, no, because you just told you know fifteen or twenty people on the podcast that you, know, you don't really like working with other people. So, well, um, I, I, my problem always was in in bands in filmmaking was always that it never seemed like anybody else was as dedicated to the process as I was. Yeah. And that always bothered me, which I is unfair now because obviously we were all like teenagers and in our early twenties, and no one's dedicated to anything. Um, so it's it's kind of hard to force people to be interested. But now it, maybe that would work. I don't know. I haven't really tried. Uh, this is the most collaborative thing I think I've really done is this podcast. But obviously mm-hmm. you, well, you, you and I, you know, share a lot more than the podcast. So that we do. Yeah. This podcast is available from Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.